opportunity doesn't take reservations. If that door is open, walk through it, right? Mm -hmm. See what's on the other side, check that out, and then determine if it's, uh, if it's something you really want to do and pursue. Always lean forward. You, you just have to lean forward. You can't sit back and have someone else do the work for you. Mm -hmm. Welcome everybody to the Kitchen Table Leadership Conversations podcast. Today we sit down with leaders and mentors from across the region to talk all things leadership. We call it the Kitchen Table because we know some of the best conversations at the firehouse take place at the Kitchen Table. The goal with this podcast is to focus that Kitchen Table energy and to talk in leadership. I am your host, Berlin Maza. Today we're live with a small audience around us. Uh, we recruits everywhere in this building. We're actually at the South King County Fire Training Consortium kitchen table. This is the kitchen here at the training office out here in Kent, Washington. Deputy Fire Chief Bill Mack is with us again. Thanks for joining us, Bill. We bring in a guest speaker that comes from a background of all things training. From a Division I soccer player and a degree from Syracuse University, to working in the corporate world, to receiving an invite to live next door to a local fire station in Israel, Washington, they become a volunteer. Turning all the above into a career in the fire service at age 31. Pete Brummel brings perspectives from operations and training, a technical rescue coordinator and incident management team rep. He's done political action work with the Washington State Council. He's even done some work with Homeland Security. In addition to his philosophies on leadership, he brings in perspectives from the LA Fire Leadership Academy, the FDNY Leadership Academy, as well as the Seattle Executive Leadership Academy. We're extremely excited to have Assistant Chief Pete Brummel of East Jefferson Fire and Rescue join us today. Welcome, Pete. Thanks a lot. Appreciate being here. Thanks for having me. This is definitely uh, groundbreaking. Uh, I did listen to last week's podcast with Bill Mack, and uh, Bill's a great friend of mine, known him for many years. Berlin worked with Berlin for many years as well, and just super excited to be here and glad I could be part of this groundbreaking uh, podcast. I think it's great. So, well, Bill, it's been a month already. Wow, been a month since episode wow. one. We've had some great feedback so far with this project. Thank you uh, for being with us. How you been? Good, man. Uh, personally, uh, Mac family's just rolling along. We got a lot of stuff going on always. Um, Huskies are six and two, so we're, we're rocking and rolling, hitting our power band, starting to play a little bit better. Uh, Penix, my man, you know, professionally, East Pierce, we have a lot of stuff going on. I mean, we uh, have, we're going to have four fire stations being built and some process of being built over the next uh, couple of years. Um, you know, I'm gonna opening up a couple of new ones. Uh, shoot, we're just trying to figure out how to hire people. I mean, we're going to be hiring, let's see, I have seven, 12, we're going to be hiring about 30 firefighters over the next year. So I'm um, just trying to figure all that out. So well, again, it's, it, can't believe it's been a month. Yeah, a month already. Uh, here we go. Before you know it, we'll be at episode 100. Uh, here we go. <laughs> episode two. Yeah. Uh, so before we dive into the discussion of this dynamic leadership, learning and leading in today's fire service, Pete, tell us a little more about Pete Brown. Yeah, you bet. Um, so I, uh, I never had goals and aspirations to be in the fire service. I sort of happened into it. Uh, I moved to Seattle in 1990, came from uh, upstate New York, from Syracuse in 1987. Uh, worked in New York City in advertising for a couple of years. Uh, thought that was going to be the my career path. Uh, owning a design studio in New York City and, and high roll and all that, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, went back uh, to graduate school. I came out to the, to the Northwest to Seattle uh, in 90 and uh, to visit my sister who just moved up here. And I, I happened to get in an apartment house next door to the Isquah Fire Station uh, on Sunset Way, on Station 71. And uh, I, I got involved. Uh, first they asked if you know, I wanted to be a volunteer. I'm like, for what? Uh, <laughs> and then they said the fire department. I put two and two together. So. I wandered on over there, uh, kind of got uh, in, in, enrolled in some things, and uh, a couple of months, year went by, I met my wife, Carolyn, uh, on a call. Um, she, uh, she talked about an autocratic leader at the time. We were at, at an incident, and she was initiating patient care, and I was delivering what I thought was patient care, and I, apparently I wasn't doing it right because I wasn't an ENT. I wasn't a first responder. I was... You name it, I was blowing the whole thing up. So she told me to go pack sand and I'm like, fine, whatever. And then a year later we got married. There you go. So uh, she's a pediatric nurse, Swedish, uh, first hill. 
Uh, my daughter Amelia works at Microsoft. My son Owen, uh, both PLU grads, uh, just took a job as an environmental specialist for the Department of Ecology. And uh, my sister Lisa lives in Seattle. She's local as well. Uh, I have another sister Beth lives in Virginia, and my mom lives down in Santa Barbara. So uh, mostly West Coast, but uh, uh, one East Coast sister. And uh, yeah, so here I am. Wow. Well, thank you, yeah. Pete. Thanks for the intro. So, uh, so Pete, you were hired in, at age 31. You had a lot of other life experiences prior to the fire service. You mentioned you had a degree from Syracuse. You played D1 soccer. You worked in the private sector. You brought a lot of leadership qualities and unique perspectives. How would you say those experiences shaped your early leadership philosophies or tendencies? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, you know, <clears throat> there's lots of leadership opportunities out there, but there's also opportunities to be in charge. And I think through childhood sports, uh, Little League Baseball, middle school, high school, soccer, hockey, played a lot of soccer, uh, got into hockey in high school. Uh, my oldest sister, Lisa, excelled in sports in, uh, in her, very early in her, in her childhood and excelled through college at Yale. She actually taught me how to, how to throw a curveball, how, uh, how to do close patterns out in the backyard. You know, that that actually explained a lot. Being, right, you know, yeah, totally. I'm still trying to learn all that. Yeah. So. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot from her. Uh, my mom and sister excelled in music and the arts uh, for many years. My dad, uh, he, he passed away uh, several years ago, but he, he was a school superintendent. So he was an equivalent of the fire chief, but running the school system in Westport, Connecticut. And uh, so I learned a lot of attributes from him on leadership in a kind of a remote, a remote way. Uh, I traveled to Europe a couple times to play soccer back in my uh, junior high days, worked in advertising, like they said. I learned quickly about, quickly about competition. So, you know, right now, fast forward to today, I'm working on a master's degree in Homeland Security and Emergency Services. And I'm, I'm kind of looking forward. There's a uh, organization, the Center for Defense and Homeland Security down at the Naval Postgraduate School in California that I'm trying to gather my uh, my writing style together and apply for a master's degree down there. Uh, just because I'm always interested in challenging myself and uh, learning about successes and failures. And in, 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 in my way, the way I look at things, failure is a result. Uh, it's not like an option, right? It happens because of uh, small incremental things or one catastrophic thing. So failure is a result. Yeah. No, I love that. And uh, we'll stay there. Bill and I have talked about this at length many, many times about the failure piece. You know, far too often people will think of failure as, uh, you know, something to stay away from, something they don't want to do. So it kind of stops them from, from trying. Uh, yeah. A couple examples, and we talked about this the other day as well. The Thomas Edison, right? The guy that invented the light bulb. No one knows about the thousand things that he tried to build and failed at. Right. Right? People know him for the one thing he did build. So, and for the sports fans, you know, Michael Jordan. You know, he says, uh, I missed 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost nearly 300 games. I've been trusted to uh, take the game winning shot many, many times and missed 26 times. I've failed over and over and over again, and that's why I succeed. So, I think when you say the failure part, it's not about the failure. I think it, that's part of the process. Failure is a part of winning. So go fail, right? I think that's kind of what you're saying. So yeah. let's jump into this. So the dynamic yeah. leadership part, learning and leading today's fire service. I love the title. Dynamic brings about so many realities and relevance when we're talking leadership. The leadership is exactly that, right? It's dynamic. It's yeah. constantly changing. There's no one size fits all. And you're trying to lead, whether it be a group, yourself, an organization. So what's dynamic leadership? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, I looked up the definition of leadership, and uh, it's about as vanilla as you can get. It's the act of leading a group uh, or, of a, or people or an organization, right? The way I take dynamic leadership is really unique. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to attend the FDNY's uh, Leadership Under Fire, Optimizing Human Performance Academy. Unfortunately, <clears throat> we were scheduled to go to, to Maryland. Uh, in you know in person in residency well of course COVID hit so everything got turned to virtual so over the ten week period uh, I I really had a great opportunity to learn things and the the organizer of LUF is Jason Bresler who's works in special operations in FDNY and has a, a stellar Marine Corps uh, career and before he even introduced anyone or the organization he said. Are you playing to win 
or are you playing not to lose? And that just resonated with me because that affects every level of leadership. It affects daily life. It affects every opportunity you have to be successful and to challenge yourself. Are you playing to win or playing not to lose? And so dynamic leadership in my, the way I interpret it, it's overt, it's subconscious, it's subtle, it's autocratic. There's times when you have to be uh, very autocratic. You will, you, know, you have to do this to accomplish that. Start CPR, uh, put water on the fire, uh, do those things. Uh, but the opportunistic must know how and when and why to apply that, that dynamic leadership. So it's, it's, it's pretty unique. Um, you know, the output is it affects the positive change with credibility and the collective interest for the betterment of people and the organization. So that's well, dynamic leadership. Yeah, I love the analogy. Are you playing to win or are you just simply playing not to lose? I mean, that's, it's, you know, are you proactive or are you passive? Are you, are you leading intentionally or, you know, by accident? Right. In our last episode, uh, Bill mentioned this and he touched on something very similar. Bill, you remember this? Yeah. He said, you know, competing. And are we competing each day to be a little bit better? You competing against yourself, competing against others, but it's about just getting a little bit better each day. And so I think that's, you know, are you playing to win? So Pete, you mentioned the FDNY Leadership Academy. I remember years ago, you attended the LA Fire Leadership Academy. I remember asking you, and correct me if I'm wrong, many of these classes, whether it be, you know, academies or, you know, whatever it might be, none of this would tie to a promotion or prerequisite to anything, right? In fact, yeah. sometimes you would travel across the world or the country, you know, to go take something to be better, to better yourself. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. Here, sure, sure. But I want you to answer the question. You've always been known as a guy that was always working on the next thing, the next project, the next class, the next opportunity. You never waited around for, you know, for an opportunity or waited around for an organization to say, here, this is, you know, this is your next you know, part. Right. You were proactive in your uh, professional development. How is that and why is that? Well, um, early in the career, early in my career, I had, I had an opportunity uh, when I started the fire service to get thrown into a leadership position, basically after the second year on the job. And uh, just because of, of the, the locus of leadership, what that organization needed at the time. Uh, but, you know, through networking, through peers, uh, through many of, of the audience that, uh, that I know, it's, it's collaborating with peers uh, through social media, finding out about things. I learned about many opportunities, uh, LA, FDNY, the Leadership Under Fire, uh, even the, the, the latest one I'm involved in now, the Seattle Leadership uh, Academy was, uh, I found out through a, a peer, uh, a friend of mine in North Kitsap, hey, have you seen this uh, program they got going on? I said, hey, tell me more about it. I applied to it. I was fortunate enough to, to uh, get accepted, and now I'm enrolled in that program. Um, you know, my belief is any endeavor comes with the individual fortitude and the, and the perseverance to be successful. Um, always lean forward. You, you just have to lean forward. You can't sit back and have someone else do the work for you. Mm -hmm. Well, this next question I'm going to ask both of you, Pete and Bill. Talk about the balance, right? Talk about the balance between waiting for your organization have an opportunity for you versus just simply getting out there and getting it done. Uh, regardless, it may cost you your own time. Sometimes it might cost you your own money. You know, where's the balance between, you know what, I'm just going to go do it because I know what it's going to do for me professionally and personally. So right. why don't we start there, Pete? Tell us about that balance. Well, um, opportunity doesn't take reservations, right? There, there's a difference between, hey, there's a promotional test coming, uh, you know, March 1st, I'm going to work towards that. But uh, if you get wind that, hey, we're going to promote in March and you haven't done anything to prepare yourself, uh, the chances of you trying to cram, you know, two weeks before the test and be successful at it uh, is probably not going to be to the best of your ability. Uh, so always lean forward, as I've said, you'll hear that throughout this conversation. Uh, prepare yourself for success. Set yourself up for success. Be with others like-minded that are like that and uh that, that's a recipe for success absolutely right there yeah i think that you know you can't just sit at station one at the kitchen table and just wait for opportunity to knock on the door or send you an email or a text you know um, i think that's kind of a fallacy if that's what you're waiting for you have to go out there and find what that opportunity is you know you have to um, kind of find your path and, and and figure out what it is and and i you know i agree with you on the promotional thing that you know, when promotions come out, you're going to be working on that. But you know, I don't necessarily think that 
you know, like not all the opportunities I seized was because I was seeking promotion. You know, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast that it's fine if all you want to do is be a 30 year engineer and be successful and be good at your job, do that. But maybe the opportunity is maybe teaching some of the new guys how, you know, bump operations or driver training. I mean, I remember when you came into the consortium, you know, it was a big leadership jump for you as a firefighter now become an engineer trainer and to be telling guys who've been driving fire engines for 20 years what you know, you know, you're training them. And, you know, we had this conversation, you know, that's, that opportunity came for you and you seized it. Um, and sure, you're probably uncomfortable and I'm not going to talk about being uncomfortable, but you know, uncomfortable is part of that opportunity right. um, because it's not always a comfortable job jumps. Yeah. Same thing. When I, I took the leap from leaving Eastside Fire and Rescue to join East Jefferson Fire and Rescue. And that was a huge uncomfort, mm-hmm. uh, a huge step for me. And like you said, your podcast, I sounded going, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck can I get myself into? <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. but it's going great. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm going to ask you again another question, but I do want to uh, to uh, lean forward more on that. So, would it be fair to say, Bill and Pete, that doing the bare minimum is never enough? In fact, would you go as far as to say that going above and beyond the bare minimum is a requirement for strong leaders? Pete? Yeah, yeah. You uh, you get uh, you know you, you get out what you put in. Right. So think of if, if you are uh, the, the bare minimum and uh, someone throws you in a, in a pool uh, and you don't know how to swim, uh, that's tough. Mm-hmm. And so that bare minimum will only get you a minimal result. Sure. And uh, if, if, if some people are good with that, that that's fine. But in this organization, in this profession, uh, at public and private, you know, you, the bare minimum isn't going to produce any. It, it's funny you use that swimming. Net. I can't. I can't swim very well at all. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what they kind of scares me a little bit. But um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. The bare minimum conversation. You know, you, you also though have to be very good at the fundamentals. I mean, whatever sport you play yeah. and the job we do. You know, one of the things like when we kind of had a change in the way we did training, when we started collaborating and doing stuff, I heard a lot from people like, why are we establishing this low line, this low, this, you know, this bare minimum um, as our standard of training. And like I told people there, but you have to be good at the bare minimum, right. To be able to get to the next step. Mm -hmm. So don't ignore that. Don't, don't, don't step, don't step over that because you have to have that foundation. Absolutely. That's the only thing I I mentioned on that. And then, yeah, drive, you know, we, we talked about uh, trying to push forward, learning a little bit better. You know, you can't be a hundred percent, but you can be 10% each day, get a little bit better. Mm -hmm. What's that new thing that you learned? What's that new thing that you challenge yourself with? What's that new uh, conversation you had? Perfect. So I keep this conversation moving. We want to finish this up. So, uh, so Pete, we wanted to talk about the four corners of leadership that you and I were discussing the other day. Talk to us today about those four pillars, if you will. You bet. Um, and again, this is uh, this isn't anything that I, I took off the shelf uh, and looked up on YouTube, anything like that. There are some foundations that I did learn in Los Angeles and through uh, the leadership under fire. But what I believe in the four corners: uh, the leader, the led, the organization. And then that situational awareness that you'll find with any uh, organization or small unit or large scale organization. So uh, the leader um, is probably the most important component uh, of the four pillars because that's you. That's you need to look uh, a, a pragmatic approach, look yourself in the mirror, and determine, you know, your honesty, your your ability for where you are in the adult development world. Uh, did you just get hired in the fire service? Are you a tenured company officer? Uh, are you a small business owner? You know, have been in the business now for 10 years? Uh, or, and, or did you just uh, buy a house, start a family, get kids to college, just got a new promotion? There's a lot of components of adult development, a lot of age development. Uh, part of that, uh, or a lot of it, comes with the emotional intelligence. And if I'm going to recommend any book out there, uh, I, I'm not a huge book reader, but I would say grab emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. learn about that because that's so vital to interpersonal communication and being part of an organization. So uh, another one is the locus of leadership, power in the dynamic environment where the interaction occurs. So 
we interact as, as peers, uh, we interact as supervisors, chiefs, uh, you know, up and down, down and up. And you really have to understand as a leader how you interact with each one of those to be successful. Yeah. Well, Pete, you mentioned the uh, the soft skills. <clears throat> yeah. And I think soft skills don't get enough attention in the fire service. Uh, you mentioned emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. uh, how many times have we heard that that, yeah. that term in the last five years? Right. We talked about adult development. These are things that aren't taught at the fire academy, right? They don't teach these things at company officer training. In fact, one can go an entire career without intentionally working on one's communication skills, emotional intelligence, yeah. you know, learning how to learn, learning how to teach, so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. So I'll ask, uh, and I'll ask you, Bill, the same question. Do you believe organizations are headed in this direction, kind of a focus on incorporating some of the above, these soft skills? Why or why not? Well, it's uh, it, it's certainly important. Organizations, and you know, let's keep it fire service centric. We are. We are adapting to a lot of change, significant amount of change. And part of that, that developmental change uh, also deals with the next cornerstone uh, of, of the, the group, the lead. So you're the leader, now it's the group. It's small unit leadership, it's scalar organizational leadership, and it's all about uh, empowering your group to accomplish tasks, to set goals, objectives and and support uh and i'm not advocating that you're going to throw that 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 first second year firefighter out there like hey here are the keys to the engine and you get a two-alarm fire and okay you're pumping now make sure you get all the pressures right your calculations we need this and that no that's a recipe for failure right there but uh empowerment uh team-based loyalty sacrifice for the mission and i say sacrifice for the mission in a way that Everybody has that objective uh, or should have that objective when they show up for work is here are my goals and objectives today to be successful for the organization, the engine company, the medic unit, the battalion, uh, the as a fire commissioner, maybe as a, as a city council member for the city or the, uh, or the whole organization. So Bill, soft skills. Yeah, man, you, you have to, we, we, as a, as the fire service world have to figure out soft skills, right? That, you know, um, and we talk about generational differences and other stuff, and this is a whole nother conversation I don't wanna take too much time with, but we have to be able to make those connections with our with our people. Um, and what that means is that you have to have the soft skills and the communications to be able to have good, honest, open dialogue. You need to be able to think from different points of view. Um, and that's something we need to concentrate on with training um, you know, we train a ton on, you know, actually the, the, the hands-on portion of our job, but we don't train on how to have good conversations and we should, because it's, mm -hmm. it, yep. it, it's really important. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yep. Going back to what you said just a moment ago, Pete, you said the lead. Yeah. And that's um, one of the pillars as well. I think of, uh, I think it's important to, to remember, um, that every single leader out there at one point in time, they were a follower, right? We were followers at one point and yep. back some of the best leaders out there are still followers. There's a DEI expression out there that I believe uh, is equally uh, useful in leadership as well. It's equally important to not just who you influence, but who you allow to influence you. And I think that's kind of, that's a powerful statement that requires self-reflection, humility. And uh, I know you'll touch on humility later, so we yep. won't dive too much into that. So the lead, I love it. So you've got two more corners, two more corners of leadership. Yeah, you bet. So we've got uh, the organization, right? You've got the, the leader, yourself as an individual, You've got uh, the lead, uh, which is the group. And uh, then you've got the organization of how you function, either tactically or globally, from small to big, big to small. Uh, you know, it, it's company level, it's uh, executive chief level, uh, the culture, internal cultures, external cultures. Uh, how do you, how do you, how do you collaborate with multi-jurisdictional agencies? How do you get along with law enforcement? How do you get along with the DEM, uh, your your neighboring fire districts and, and departments, uh, right? Because we're all in it together. Uh, and then it's uh, you have to you have to challenge sometimes the resistance to the organization, sometimes through trepidation uh, and the unwillingness. And finally, you get to uh, situational awareness. So, which is the 
led the leader of the organization. And then the situational awareness is kind of your, your safety gap, right? We've all heard of, uh, of SA through the wildland side, and then it sort of creeped in the mainstream fire service. Uh, you know, situational awareness, see what's going on around, keep your head on the swivel. It's the same thing that every individual in that organization from the entry level person to the fire chief, to the back, uh, you know, behind the scenes people, maintenance people, data analysts, they all have to look at what the threats are to the organization and be aware to, to move that. It's, you know, it's tough to do, but, you know, it's tough to steer the Titanic, but after the iceberg, it's, mm -hmm. it's even harder, right? So uh, situational awareness is that fourth cornerstone that really combines the, the, the leader, the lead, organization and then that kind of safety uh, component. Well, I think that situational awareness piece is so important. That's, you know, I first heard it in the fire service. It's obviously very pertinent everywhere in life, you know, goes to, you know, the first step in solving any issue is you know, recognizing there is one, right? Yeah. Being aware, you know, predictable is preventable, right? There's these terms out there. It all comes down to being aware. How can a leader lead without, if they're unaware of what's going on right. around them? So right. moving on, according to Chief Brummel, what are your keys to an emerging leader? Well, um, my my leader checklist, and again, I didn't take this off the shelf, or I just sort of thought these things up, put them down in, in sequential order. Uh, one, you you have to be humble. Right? You, you, humility is a big thing. Being humble, being thankful for the opportunity to serve, being thankful and the honor to be in the presence of you guys. Uh, really, I mean, your peers, your your mentors, uh, this is huge for me. This is huge. Uh, always lean forward. Be on a pro, have a proactive bias is what I call. Always look for that opportunity. If that door is open, walk through it, right? Mm -hmm. See what's on the other side. Check that out. And then determine if it's, uh, it's something you really want to do and pursue. Uh, be selfless. Have technical tactical and organizational acumen. So not going back to that, that engineer and training, you, you shouldn't have to get wrapped up about pump discharge pressures, but you should understand that, oh yeah, you've been there before, you know what that person's going through of learning. Totally different realm of what you need to be learning, okay? Uh, the tactical and organizational acumen goes for mid-level, upper-level management, things like that. Uh, Self-reliance, be willing to take things on yourself and, uh, and, and struggle to get the job done, but always look for, for help. And finally, the big one is the willingness to learn from others uh, all the time. I mean, I'm learning stuff from you guys right now. I learned stuff coming in here, listening to Bill's podcast from last week, learned about the All Blacks, most winning yeah. professional sports team in the world, had no idea, so now I'm going to go look them up. <laughs> right? I did finish that book, by the way, phenomenal book. Thank you, Bill, for the, uh, for the, um, for the recommendation. Yeah. So earlier I mentioned that you were going to talk about humility. You did, and I want to stay there for just a minute. Um, humility is something I believe it's underemphasized in every industry, right, in sports and business especially, but also the fire service. Uh, that's something that we ask of our new firefighters, right? We, we ask our new firefighters to be, what, good listeners. You know, no one likes to know it all. Take initiative. Don't ask for credit, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I don't think it's too much to ask. You know the same things of our leaders, right? Formal, informal. So um, there's this really good self-reflection um, exercise that I was asked to do in this workshop just a few months ago. It requires a lot of humility, um, also takes some vulnerability, and it's something I'm gonna I'm gonna say right here, and I encourage everyone to do it because it's really an eye-opener. Uh, what you do is you open, you get, you get a piece of paper, you write down five to ten names. Uh, these are names of role models, you know, positive influences, people who inspire you, yeah. you know, um, people that, you know, it's, it, it, it's someone that you would consider to be a great leader. You know, this could be a coach, a family member, member a president, a military leader, a historical figure, anybody. It could be alive, it could be dead, doesn't matter. You make this list of names. And here's a self-reflection piece, really the eye-opening piece as you talk about willingness to learn from others. Um, you look at the names. How many of the names were people younger than you? How many of the names had less work experience than you? How many of the names had less seniority than you? How many of them were in lower rank? How many people were people that already think like you, look like you, talk like you? Right. Yeah. You know, were they in the same hobbies as you? So how many of them were with the opposite sex than you? 
How many of them were of a, a different, you know, a mixed bag of cultures and races? So you mentioned earlier, <clears throat> willingness to learn from others. That's the humility piece. As leaders, when we look at our list, are we truly willing to learn from anyone? And so it's just kind of that self-reflection piece. Sure. That, you, know, you, you mentioned about. vulnerability. That, that's a key thing, too, is that every time you lean forward and you take that risk of, of, of failure, uh, you, you're vulnerable. But you learn from that. And uh, I think that's so important. It's a great, it's a great word to, uh, to bring up, for sure. So I'm going to ask you both this question. I'll start with you, Pete. Yeah. Would Pete Brummel be Pete Brummel today? He didn't show some humility throughout his journey in life or the fire service. Um, I, I still hope uh, that I show humility. Um, and, and the only way I'm going to understand that is the feedback I get from people, from not only coworkers, but, but family members, my wife, right? Uh, am, I, am I humble? Do I show humility? I've always, uh, I've learned so much uh, by doing a 360 assessment. And for those of you out there that don't know what that is, that's basically you uh, you send out or have someone send out a questionnaire to uh, subordinates, peers, supervisors, friends, whoever, and uh, they respond back to a series of questions uh, anonymously. And there's a great opportunity to, again, that vulnerability of you may think that you're projecting yourself as somebody super and hold on. You know, there's some there's some humility that needs to be shown there, and uh, that's so important. So I've I've had failures, I've had setbacks, uh, they suck, but you learn from those, and uh, you're, you get back on the horse, you pull the bootstraps back up, you get back on the bike, however you want to, you know, paraphrase it. But uh, it's uh, humility is so big, yeah, and uh, each one's a learning experience. How about you, Bill? Humility, yeah. yeah. Tell us about, you know, some humility that you've expressed. Or would you be where you're at today without it? For sure not. I think that anyone um, anyone who's driven in leadership in the front, if you're looking for, like, kudos and pats on the backs, you're in the wrong business because right. we, we don't get it. You know I mean? We really don't. Um, you know, occasionally you get someone bring cookies or cake by the station. Um, but, but truly, if you're looking for it in the fire service from leadership, you won't. I mean, I can... I, and I won't bore with details. Uh, sometimes someone wants to go out for a, a, pop, a soda pop or something. We, we, you know, we can talk about this. But you know, throughout my career, I've had a, a several examples where I've done a project, I've done something, I've wrote a document, I've you know, whatever you want to pick, I've done a, I've done something for people, um, and you know, there really was no thanks there. You know, and but I think you can't let that define you. You know, and in fact, I've had promises made that were that you know didn't happen with with that. Mm -hmm. um, and but I think that how you react to it. I mean, we've also seen. You know, we probably all have someone in our agency that we've seen that has had a failure, and then they just close shop. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. they're defined by that for the yeah. rest of their career. They'll never get past that. For the rest of their career, they'll be sour about that failure. Um, it, you know, and it's easy for me for us to say it, but it's something that I really encourage everyone to try to do is you can only worry about yourself. You can't worry about um, the, the other people. Yeah. And so work past that. And that takes some humility to be able to bite your tongue, mm -hmm. move forward and find another way to move. Yeah. yeah. I was like Michael Gervais, another the uh, sports psychologist with Seahawks, he says, control the fourth thing. Your own thoughts, your own actions, your own attitude, your own effort, right? You can't control what you can't control. You can control what you can control. And that's, right. I mean, that's huge. So as you can tell, I love this humility piece. I'll ask one more question on it before we move on. Uh, this podcast is all about learning from the experiences of others. Yeah. It's going to require some vulnerability as well, but some humility. So tell us about a bad day in the professional life of Pete Brown. Uh Well, uh, the, the bad day, I guess, would be uh, the first couple months, the new organization. <clears throat> this is prior to the uh, my organization having the Italian chief. So I was the duty chief. And uh, sure enough, fire comes out. Uh, we get to the scene, initial company officer, first in engine, kills it, sets it up for success. Multiple units come in, commands established, hit all the benchmarks on the chalkboard, on the, on the board. Uh, great job, great job. We all take up. After we do the investigation, everything's cold to the touch. Three hours later, we go back fully involved. And I'm like, oh, man. And, and, and I, didn't, I didn't care one bit about 
why, what was the cause, this can't be happening. I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna own this thing. I'm gonna own it for life, right? And so the, the crews got the job done, put the fire out. Everybody felt like, oh man, this is tough. Uh, but you know, at the next after action report a few days later, I stood up and I said, I own this. I didn't do the fire watch. It was on the box. I didn't check that box. We fires out, it's cold to the touch. Turn the place down. So that's it happens. Uh, but I it's still to this day. Uh, and, and the damn name of the road was Sweet Home Road. And it just kind of rings a bell, man. Like, oh, really? Just gotta rub salt wounds there. But that's that was a bad day. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said it, right? You mm -hmm. own it. Ownership is leadership. I don't think anyone here would disagree with that, right? You gotta own it. In fact, uh, just mentioned the Seahawks second ago, four and three, by the way. Would have thought. Um, <laughs> one of the rules of the Seattle Seahawks is no whining, no complaining, no excuses, right? Owning is leading. No one, and I mean no one, goes about their journey without failures along the way. Right. So you said it so many times throughout this podcast, a leader must have humility. I think you just set the example right there. Thank you, Pete. Before we get to the hot topic, I want to talk about relationships. So Pete and Bill, you both are most likely the most well-connected, well-networked people that I know of. Right? Can you talk to us about the importance of networking, what it does for you, as well as building and fostering those relationships? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. We'll start with you. Yeah. Well, networking uh, builds friendships. Uh, it builds inroads to opportunities. Uh, I can say that networking got me a great opportunity uh, about 10 years ago. Traveled to Israel with a counterintelligence group uh, with a congressional representative for three weeks to a foreign country to learn about resiliency and, uh, and homeland security to uh, this gentleman right next to me, uh, <laughs> lobbying for many years, both at the state and at the national level for our labor groups, when we were part of our labor groups. Great times, but each one of those opportunities to shake hands with someone else and learn who they are, whether through, you know, from around here or from the other side of the country or the other side of the world. Uh, is so important, and it just builds that, that camaraderie, and it builds that opportunistic uh, ability to learn and phone a friend, right? Hey, I know this. I'm going to call this person because I met him at a conference. I met him at a class. I met him at the National Fire Academy, whatever it is. That builds a lot of foundation to profession. Absolutely. So important. Yeah, I think you hit on the head. I think that, um, you know, organizational resilience is really defined by connections, yeah. right? how strong your organization will be is how well you're connected among among everybody from, you know, using a sports analogy again, going from janitors all the way up to the general manager, how well they're connected. You know, in the fire service is how well people are there. And, you know, I think the modern service fire culture will require networks. I mean, I talked about in the last podcast that people were naturally connected to the organizations in the, in, in the past, right? Because they grew up in Auburn, they went to Auburn High School, you know, their parents, you know, live in Auburn, all that kind of stuff. And I think the modern fire service isn't, isn't nearly as connected to the communities. So we as leaders have to figure out a way to connect them to our organizations, whatever that is. And, and, and so I think that's taking a few minutes out of your day, you know, when Chief Rummel walks in the hallway, taking a few minutes out of your day to stop someone and intentionally have a conversation. You know, I, I worked for a guy one time that every time I walked by you said, How's it going? But he, but if you ever stopped him and actually had a conversation, he'd be super uncomfortable, right? So I'm saying that when you make those connections, make them real connections. Put down your phone, look the people in the eye, give them five minutes out of your day to make that connection. Um, and, and you'll find that that'll build networking, that'll build resilience. You know, I mean, you should see the contacts in my phone. I get, if you need anybody for anything, yeah. it's nice to be able to pull them up say, hey, I need help with this. Yep. Um, yeah. you know. and there's a difference between, I'll say it, right? Networking and kissing ass. Yeah. It's yeah. two polar opposites, yeah. right? Yeah. One produces results. Uh, the One other. just tastes bad. <laughs> there you go. You heard it there, Bill and Pete. Build, build, build those networks. Be well-connected and uh, don't kiss <laughs> ass. It's, 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 it's very salty. So, Well, that's a good segue. So um, it's hot coffee time. This is uh, where we talk about a hot topic. What podcast would be a podcast without a good hot topic so uh, pete you're 57 years old um it was probably no more than five or six years ago right christmas eve you'll remember this station 85 out in carnation yep me you and matt charisma which you might be listening here we were hanging from ropes three stories behind the host tower right 
we, you know, you're building, you're building confidence, profit back, uh, you know, OSB laying in the back, you know, two by fours with, with some nails. This was probably in your early fifties, right? So you had a lot of passion. You still have a lot of uh, passion. In fact, we see it all the time. You know, not everybody has the same passion. That's okay. But we see it where people near the end of the careers, you know, they salty, negative. You mentioned, you know, yeah. you know, saltiness at the end. It's hard to maintain that drive and that passion. So when we talk about that hot, that hot topic, how do you uh, maintain that drive and that passion for 30 years and yeah. why? Well, uh, I just do remember that the, the next shift when we came back, uh, the station captain took away our baseball and blew our pop up. So, he did, yep. yeah, I remember that, yep. Uh, no, it's, it's passion for the profession, sustainability of the mission. Uh, as we know, and our call volumes are going through the roof. Uh, organizations are impacted in many different ways. Uh, internal, externally, uh, response to social accountability. Uh, today's fire service, we have to be proactive and, and build resiliency and redundancy to be successful, right? Because the most important part of the organization is the human capital. It's, it's us, it's, our, it's the personnel, it's the, the troops on the streets, the medics and the medic rig, the BCs and the BC buggies and so on and so forth. And everybody plays a vital role, but I, I don't know, it's uh, just doing things like this is really, it's just how invigorating is this to, to, to for my, uh, you know, enjoyment for the fire service and my my passion uh, i'm going to relish this opportunity for years i think it's great so well thank you i'm going yeah. to ask uh you know lean on a little bit more i want you to give a suggestion here how does one maintain that passion for 30 years well um be proactive throughout your career uh set goals and benchmarks um these are things you want to achieve uh enjoy the people enjoy the profession very simple, right? It I mean, is. It's uh, not <laughs> love what you do and right. you know, build those networks. Totally. You, you know, keep each other up. Bill, anything like how does one maintain passion for 30 years? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, and Pete probably has a similar story. I mean, just using my recent example, I was really comfortable at, at Valley. You know, I mean, I could have easily been a shift BC for the next few years and rolled into retirement. And been super comfortable with what I was doing, serving on the state council, being a battalion chief. I knew my job, very comfortable with managing people, very comfortable managing incidents. Um, but lifting myself out of that and putting myself in a new organization and a new position, which is super uncomfortable and hard to do. And yeah, I spent a little bit of time in self-reflecting. Um, but it also reinvigorated my career. It gave me that new passion for, for doing stuff. I'm doing stuff and learning about stuff today that... I'll 100% say that if I was the same person, you know, two years ago, it's not nearly the same person as today, and I'm way better as a chief and chief officer today. So awesome. Yep. Well, this is my favorite time of the podcast, not going to lie. I've got my notepads, I'm taking notes, I'm going to be honest. I want to talk about the non-negotiables, right? Uh, you were a company officer a long time. You were a training officer for a long time. Uh, you're chief of training and ops now. Mm -hmm. From your experiences and perspectives, as an assistant chief, what are your non-negotiables when we talk about trying to create the highest performance self, team, organization? Yeah, uh, great question. Not just from a chief officer perspective, but from the ground up is the, if there's a lack of leader intent and a lack of mission, you are, you are rudderless. You are just, uh, you're floating in the water and you're going wherever the tide's gonna take you. So if there's no mission, that that's a no-go for me there has to be an objective to be met uh whether it's a, a short term or a long term but put it in writing put it have it tangible where it's uh, everybody can look towards that so uh the second is it's uh it's the, the not my job person that's not my job that's their job that's his job that's her job that's the other department's job no that doesn't work uh again back to humility get out there do the job uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm some kind of, you know, sideline cheerleader here, like, rah, rah, every day go out and do the job. Well, yeah, every day go out and do the job. What's, what's, uh, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, make the effort. And, and here's sort of the hook. It's, does the fire chief, uh, how does the fire chief look rolling hose? I, I look at that two ways. I think number one, that shows, uh, that it should show the passion for the employees, for the support the organization to help out uh but it can also be overdone 
right? If you're always there in the limelight, like, hey, check me out. I'm rolling home with the troops, uh, you know. And then the next day, hey, check me out. I'm I'm rolling hose again with the troops. You guys gotta like me. It, it it can have a negative effect. It's like what, you know, go do chief stuff, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, there's chief stuff to do without a doubt. But how does that reflect you as a middle management leader when the fire chief is rolling hose with your <laughs> with your company? You know, it 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 makes for a really dynamic uh, opportunity to lead, and uh, it it's just. It's one of those things where uh, I, I just, it, it grates me when I hear, hey, it's not my job. Yeah, well, all you had to do is, you know, put this and this together and we have a solution. It's not my job. No. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny. Sometimes uh, we have such high expectations of, you know, the new people coming in, the new employees. Uh, we want, we expect them to be go-getters, self-motivated, take initiative, the first to do something. Yeah. But how many times have we heard or seen, you know, whether it be a, you know, a seasoned member not do anything? Right, uh, the go-getter go mentality is gone. You know, less motivated. They wait for someone to tell them to do something before they go do it. Yep. So I love this piece when you say, "Just get out there, do the job. Just right. make an effort, make right. the effort." You said lack of the mission. Who's responsible for that? Who's responsible for the mission? Uh, going back a little bit, top down, bottom up. Everybody's responsible for the mission. If there isn't a mission established, then collectively work together to send that up the food chain to say, "Hey." You know what? We show up for work. We don't have a mission. We need that defined, and and that can that can happen without a doubt. The other thing is mentorship. I think everybody knows what mentorship is. And I'll just say I saw that the other day. I saw a senior uh, firefighter paramedic taking a uh, an intern firefighter at East Jefferson. We have interns, and showing them how to do changeovers on the pump panel. And man, it was just like here's this senior guy that had other stuff to do, I'm sure, but took that time to show this intern, uh, someone just started in the fire service of how things are done. Man, that was that was a grand slam. That was the home run. That made my day, and it was like nine in the morning. Yeah. And I was floating the rest of the day. I thought that was so great. I took a picture of it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Mentorship. We have, uh, I already see it. There's a, there's an episode coming. We're gonna talk all about mentorship. Oh, nice. Mentorship's nice. huge, so thanks for the, uh, the idea. So it's time for that rapid fire coffee top off. Another favorite part. Each episode, we'll end our conversation with asking our guest speaker three questions, suggesting three meaningful action items for our listeners to start doing today yep. to grow as leaders. Pete, uh, talk to that new aspiring leader. So it's going to be a formal leader or an informal leader. Yep. A new firefighter could be an apprentice, someone that's just thinking about taking that next step into a more formal leadership role. What's one thing they could do today that demonstrates dynamic leadership? Yep. Uh, number one, being a learning listener, and I'm gonna I'm gonna harp on listening. I think I've become a better listener. Uh, I, I don't know about Carolyn agreeing to that, my wife, but uh, I, I think she did. She does. Uh, yeah, being a learning listener, absorb everything you can. You mentioned your podcast as a recruit and recruit school. School just absorb everything and digest that and and park that. Put that somewhere you can be used again. The, the next one for emerging leaders, uh, a segue into emerging leaders is be objective, right? Mm -hmm. Be a learning listener, but you have to be an objective listener because you have, you get bombarded from all sides as a company officer, as an example. Be objective, mm -hmm. absorb, learn, but be an objective listener. Perfect. Well, yep. you got rid of number two. Thank you. Yep. Number three, yep. finally, those established formal leaders out there. This could be a senior member, um, a senior officer, chief officer. What's one thing they could do? It demonstrates dynamic leadership. Yeah, uh, it's. It I'm going to bring this in for a landing with listening. Uh, be a phenomenal <laughs> listener. You have to really step back uh, from the day-to-day -day operations and really listen clearly, both externally and internally. The constituency, your your the community you serve, uh, the business that you have, and the customers that you serve for your private business, to the internal. Uh, what what are what are the troops saying? What is middle management saying? What uh, what are the fire commissioners saying? The city council members. What's the hot topic stuff? You have to listen objectively. You have to learn, and you have to be phenomenal. Well, you heard you heard everybody. It's uh they always say communication is key in everything that we do. I think we would all agree. We've all heard it. Be good listeners. Um, I I what I love most about what you said is as 
more formal rank you become, the more senior you become, you actually have to focus even more mm -hmm. on listening. I mean, that's that's powerful. It's 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 relevant and it's true. Yeah. So now, thank you, Pete. Um, you bet. Pete, you've been a leader a long time, at the formal level, informal level. Anything else you want to tell our listeners today, and, and as they as they take that leap toward whether it be that next, you know, that formal role into leadership? Or? Yeah. Uh, there's no there's no right time and there's no wrong time. Uh, and it goes back to that opportunity, Bill. I think you could probably elaborate as well. It's, I've, I've heard people saying, hey, I want, I want to put in 10 years before I even think about testing. And then two, three years later, you're kind of like, ooh, man, everybody else is doing a promotion, and I'm, but I'm going to still stick at it. And that's great. I mean, if that's your MO and you want to do that, more power to you. There may not be that opportunity to promote at that time. You may have to readjust and, and adapt. Uh, and say, hey, you know what? I wanted to put in 10 years as a, as, a, as a senior firefighter, but hey, I have to rethink things. I want to be to that next level. Uh, you know, I just started family. You really have to adapt to the environment of, uh, of, of opportunity. Absolutely. So, one of the things I was going to ask is that, that LA leadership deal, you know, I kind of looked into it on their website and stuff. Yep. Is that open for our listeners? Is that something that they could do? Or it is. Yep. So, all of the, uh, the leadership academies I talked about. Uh, if, you, yep, if you Google uh, Los Angeles Fire Department Leadership Academy, you'll get the link. Uh, you'll get the, the program background. It's, there's no charge to it, but uh, it is immersion training. You go down there once a week for about five months, and it's up to you to find accommodations and rent a car and however you want to do it. But boy, the, 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 the results and the, and the payoff is, is phenomenal. Leadership Under Fire, Google that as well. Uh, the Executive Leadership Academy through Seattle Fire Department. Uh, that's that's a collaboration with the Foster School of Business, UW. Uh, we're meeting again for our third session this coming Friday. Awesome. And uh, it's great. What a great opportunity. Awesome. So, All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to end our episode with what we call the Leadership Challenge. Because the whole point of this podcast is to learn and to gain perspectives from all different kinds of leaders. The leadership challenge is where we're going to ask our guest speaker to name a person that they believe would be a good candidate to help us continue and to spread this leadership conversation. So, Chief Brummel, not to put you on the spot here, but if you don't mind, if you could name one person that you believe would be willing to come onto this kitchen table onto our on one of our future episodes. Wow, that's a that's a that's a lofty goal you got there. I'm going to go. I'm going to double your your money. And uh, I'm going to give you two names. Oh, uh, great, great leaders, both uh, real integral in their organizations. Number one is Fire Chief Jay Christian with Central Kitsap Fire and Rescue. And uh, the other one is Battalion Chief Mike Mock with uh, North Kitsap Fire Rescue. Both just phenomenal leaders, great friends. They're mission driven for sure. Be great, great additions to the, uh, to the podcast. Ah, I love it. All right. Well, it looks like Chief Christian out of Central Kitsap and Battalion Chief Mock out of North Kitsap um, has been leadership tagged. We look forward to having one or both of them in a future episode of The Kitchen Table. I will personally reach out to them by email and or by phone to let them know they've been officially leadership tagged by Chief Romo. Thank you, Pete. Nice. Yep. Well, Pete. You know, you're 14, going on 15 years now. So inspired today as, uh, as 14 years ago. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time yeah. to uh, spend with us on our second episode of The Kitchen Table. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to The Kitchen Table podcast today. We truly hope that you found this time valuable. We hope that we've inspired you to take action, to lead, to spread this leadership conversation. So until next time, be safe, be intentional. Take care of yourself.